Welcome to Faith Church. Glad you're here. If you're new around here, my name is Matthew, one of the one of the pastors, and it's a joy to have you with us. Um, if you have your Bible, join me in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, whether you've got a, a printed copy of Scripture or you've got a digital kind or you want to follow along digitally, there's a QR code on the screen that'll help you follow along with some notes and things. But if you have your Bibles, join me, Acts chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 41. We've been studying the, this gospel uh, or this, this book, rather, of Acts. It's the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's the Acts of the Church. It's the Acts of Jesus continued through the people of Jesus. And uh, we've been studying and exploring this, not to replicate what the early church did and said and acted like. No, we, we want to look at the principles, the, the rhythms, the reasons behind what they did. And we want to make sure those values, those truths, those things are seeped into who we are so that we can go and be radiant and represent Jesus well in our world. And we're just simply praying, Lord, would you do what only you can do among us yet again? We're just continually praying and seeking the Lord, asking him to do these things. Because how many of you know the Bible is true? God's word is alive, and uh, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's still moving his people towards him more and more. So Acts chapter 2 is where we find ourselves. You remember the day of Pentecost had come, and God had given a promise, and they were experiencing an outpouring of the life of the Spirit of God in their midst, and uh, some amazing things were taking place. Peter preached this killer sermon, and it was really, really long. So if you don't like long messages, obviously you don't like the Bible. I'm just saying long messages are of God, and so I try to be very godly in my approach to preaching the Word. No, he, he preached this message, and it pierced people's hearts, and they responded in a way, and we pick up that right here in verse 41. This is what it says. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that very day. How many? About 3,000 more in all. There were 120 in the upper room, and now 3,000 are added to that Number. It goes on to say this, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. We talked about this idea of what does a devoted church look like. We, we started that conversation last Sunday. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. We're going to pick up kind of the second part of that as we look at the next few verses together. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles were able to perform many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day 
the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Every day, the church, the gathered people, continued to expand because more and more were being changed by the message of this Jesus the King. Can we pray together? Let's pray. Lord, these are your words. Lord, we want to be a devoted people. We want to be a people that honors you. Lord, would you help us today to have ears to hear. May our eyes be open to see your truth and see your nature and your character. And Lord, may our heart be ready to receive and embody a life of faith and allegiance to you in response to these things, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now, last week, we talked about the, the first couple of verses here, talking about a devoted church. And, and we said some things like, you devote better with others who are devoted. In other words, it, it's a lot easier to be devoted when the people in your circle, the people in your crew, the people in your tribe, the people in your text message chain, the people that, that you hang out with week in and week out, the, the people that you are living life with, it's a lot easier to be fully devoted to Jesus in the, in the truest sense of the word when, when you are with other people who are also fully devoted and moving in the same direction. Because it's really hard if you're walking and running with people who are running in opposite directions to all be moving in that direction. There's constantly a pull in your life. So we recognize, man, it's, it's easier. And they all devoted themselves together. They all took responsibility. It's like, we're going to be devoted. And we're going to do it together. And we're going to move in this direction. And we said last week that you cannot be devoted without sacrifice. Like being devoted to Jesus is not a casual consumer commodity. Christianity is not just some commodity that you get to add into your life. No, if Jesus is Lord, he takes over your life. He gets all of your heart, your soul, your mind. He gets the centrality of who you are and your affections, your attention, and your worship go to him. You cannot be devoted without sacrifice. Think about the things in your life. Whether you are devoted to your family, that requires sacrifice. If you're devoted to your career, that requires some sacrifice. If you're devoted to your hobbies, that requires some sacrifice. Being, being devoted to being a good student, that requires some sacrifice. The different things that we devote ourselves to in our lives, good, bad, or indifferent, all require sacrifice. Following Jesus is no different. And we have to push back against the idea that like I can just like casually show up on a Sunday and be like, oh, I'm all good now. I'm devoted to Jesus. Nah, you just kind of showed up a couple times. Congratulations. Like, like that's, that's not the mark of it. I mean, it's a part of it. That's great. But what does the Monday through Friday look like? And we said, if you really want to look at your devotion level, if you really want to know and examine what are you devoted to, who gets your devotion, you need to take an audit of how you spend your time, how you spend your skills and talents, and what you do with your investments, with your money, with your treasure, with your resources. 
When you take an audit of what you're doing in those areas, it will reveal already what you are most devoted to. And we said last week, being devoted to some things is a good thing. It's it's not a sin to be devoted to some things. But we need to be very careful to remember that good things don't produce eternal life. There is only devotion to one man, to one thing that will produce eternal life for you and in you and through you. And that is devotion to Jesus. Devoting to other things that are in our lives, that's good. It's applaudable. That's that's wonderful. But those things don't produce eternal life. Only knowing Jesus personally, intimately, sacrificially, wholly, that devotion, that produces eternal life in you now in an ongoing way. One of the things that as we look at the early church, they're just marked by this kind of devotion. And what I love about the people of God is that the people of God are not just location specific, right? It's not just like some coordinates on a map. Okay, those people are devoted and everybody else is not devoted. No, like this idea of being devoted to Jesus is a global reality, um, a couple weeks ago, we got back, uh, 10 of us from uh, among us here locally went to Guatemala. And in Guatemala, we have two global outreach partners that we are in partnership, fellowship with, this koinonia where we, we are resourcing and, and using labor, our time, our talents, our skill, our treasure to help further what they're doing. We're in partnership together. And we heard from Michael Shedd last week. He and his family lead a, um, a Reach World mission and some of the things that they're doing, they're one of our partners. We got to see them while we were in Guatemala. But we also got to partner with Aselsi. Aselsi is a local organization there in um, Chichi Castanago, Guatemala. And they are a phenomenal, they have a Bible training center where they're training up students to become leaders and pastors and church planters. They have a free health clinic where locals can come and get free health care. And get their physical needs taken care of. They meet with people. Doctors are there. They're able to get prescriptions and all sorts of things in their clinic. But they also have like a, a special needs school for children. A place that children can come and their parents can bring them. Uh, whose children, the, the children have, have some unique needs. Some special needs. Some disabilities even. And uh, they're able to have a safe environment where they can learn not only about Jesus but about school things and get some education and the moms while the kids are in class are learning skills and trades so that they can turn around and make some income for their family as well. All of this is happening there on site. And the Aselsi is one of, uh, one of our global partners and they, they do a fantastic job. And what I love is that this idea of being a devoted people and a devoted, devoted to Jesus is not just an American thing. It's something that we experienced as Americans in Guatemala among the believers in Guatemala. And I've asked two of our team members, Joe Allen and Casey Eaton, to come and share just a little bit about what they experienced in Guatemala. Can you give Joe and Casey a hand as they come and join me here on stage? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Joe, would you just take a minute and share your experience, kind of how you got to see some of these things of, of them being devoted to Jesus and how that impacted you and kind of what we were able to do as a team? 
So what was awesome for me was when we got off the airplane. I mean, we're met with the SLC um, staff of the Guatemalans there, cleared through the whole week, cleared back to the airplane um, before I got searched, getting on the airplane. Um, So the staff at SLC, um, one in particular that I've really got to know over the last two times I've been there um, was Aniel. Um, He is mainly in charge of the projects um but he's just a good a good guy that you know he likes to have fun he uh, i don't know if he was supposed to allow me to but he let me drive um he, he, so in, in guatemala um <laughs> not at all but um he uh like i said we were climbing this big hill and he thought that you know i could give him a ride um and i gave him a ride up the hill um but no we on some of the projects that he he was the one that was behind them he set those up um some things that we did um the original plan was to put a roof on a house um we ended up building a house but it was just it was too far gone Uh, we also um dug some holes poles put some poles up for the lights um you know, and just it was amazing to to be around godly people like that. The smiles that we saw um, is just you know, it, it filled me. So. Yeah, absolutely, such such a cool thing to get to go and be a part and uh, to be those expressions with them and fulfilling and accomplishing kind of the mission. Joe serves here locally in our in our church and works with kids and on the mission field. Kids found Joe too as a jungle gym, and that's always kind of a fun fun thing. Casey, uh, you got to serve in a little bit different capacity. You saw different side of some of the ministry, some of the things that they do, but also got to be a part in some different ways and kind of had a different perspective on some things. Why don't you share a little bit about what you encountered? So this was my third year going, um, and it was completely different than the last, the first two times I went. Um, The first two times I went, I was out on the projects, building houses and climbing hills and all that fun stuff, which was great. I loved it. But this time was really different. Um, I'm a planner and the Lord gave me no plans at all this time. Greg laughed at me every time I'd be like, what are we doing? I don't know. And so, um, I just prayed before I went down there. I was asked three days before we went down to come up with some activities with the kids. I didn't know their ages. I didn't know how many there were going to be. So we pray, I prayed about it and we made prayer bottles with the kids, which was really fun. Um, that's my son, Matthew up there. He got to help too. And we took all this, most of the supplies down there for them and they got to make these bottles so that when they sit with their parents and their moms, they can pray and watch these bottles kind of bring them some calming as they do that. So that was really fun to do that with the kids and to connect with the teachers as well. Um, We also made some oobleck. And so some of the kids had sensory issues. So there were a couple that were like, I am not touching that. Not going to do it. And then there was one that had it all over her arms. She loved it. The best thing about it was the teachers were able to open their hearts they weren't like, oh my gosh, these people are coming in and making a mess in our room. They loved it. The teachers absolutely loved it. They played with it probably more than the kids did. And to be able to see them bring life to that, one of the teachers, um, it's it's hard. I don't know if you've ever played with Ooblek, but it's hard. So if you touch it, it's hard. If you hold it in your hand, it's hard. And then when you open your hand, it's liquid. And one of the teachers, were they, she was taking her fingers doing it. It was like God walking on water. And so it was really neat how they could use that as a perspective. Yeah. And um, 
this is on hell. He was such a sweetie. He had dwarfism, I think is what they call They really didn't have a name for it down there. But um, he loves school. And he would always tell his mom, the teachers are going to be sad if I don't go to school. And so they got to tell us stories on how much he just, they all just loved coming there. They have a little Bible study before the activities. And then um, they're really great at that. They had animals and it's kind of like upstairs, just a little bit more in depth. Um, And then this year I got to help with our leaders and then the Aselsi leaders during the conferences. I just kind of made sure, I don't know, they had everything, but to be able to be part of their leadership and even our leaders, when our leaders say they pray for us, they pray. They have so much love for God and our church and the people from down in Guatemala and from here. Like seriously, it was so powerful to see our leaders praying with their leaders and it just filled my heart so much. Um, when you go on mission trips, you don't plan to bring anything back with you. Like you go to serve and I was more impacted this year than I think any of the years I had went. My heart was full. Um, my heart, I think had grown a little hard maybe. And so it was softened down there and it was just really great. Absolutely. That's so cool. Hey, can we thank them for, for sharing? There's something that happens, not just in you, but among the other people that you are with, when you do something out of the ordinary, when you take a step beyond what is comfortable, casual, something that is even beyond a comfort zone, and you step out, whether you're, you're praying with kids or you have relational barriers, and you don't have to go to a foreign country to step outside of your comfort zone. But going on a trip like that absolutely creates a different level of devotion and dependence on God like never before. It's absolutely true. If you ever have an opportunity to go on a trip, to go on a missions trip... I really encourage you to do it. It will change your heart in a way that it impacts your love for Jesus and your own personal discipleship formation like like never before. It wasn't just a humanitarian effort. Like we didn't just go down and and we, we had some communion as a team before we left and we were talking about how, guys, we're not going down for humanitarian efforts. We're not going down just to, to do some good and kindness we're actually going to represent Jesus and bring the life of God to be imparted to them. We, we were going on an ambassador journey to bring the life and the message of Jesus as king to those people and to those places. And it impacts you. It changes you. It does something different in you for sure. But what I love is while we were down there, what you encountered were other believers who decided to devote themselves to Jesus too. The hunger of the people. One of the things I loved is that as soon as they said in in a church service or in our gathering with the pastors, they would say, let's pray. And when we say let's pray, what do we typically do? We go like this. You know what they do? As soon as you say let's pray, you know what they do? They stand to their feet, they lift their voice, and they all begin to pray. 
the first time I experienced it, I was absolutely humbled. I'm like, I ain't going to pray silent no more. Like, this is not contemplative. This is about talking to Jesus, and we all are praying. They had such a reverence for the word of God and a desire. And, and uh, I, I wish I could play it for you, but, but, uh, but I'm not able to today. Uh, when we would lead worship, and Greg and Carrie would lead worship, and just an acoustic guitar in a, in a room, and at the pastor's conference in particular, we would start to sing a song, and they, would, they were singing in Spanish. And immediately the voices filled that room to such a degree where they were all worshiping and singing. It was so loud and so sweet and so precious. And rarely was I able to worship with dry eyes. There was this devotion to Jesus. Friends, we experience that here. You know what I love is on Sunday we'll start to sing a song or start to worship and all of a sudden, like, like the band is playing and they're going, but then you get louder than the band. Those are my favorite moments because now we are worshiping Jesus. We are not watching others worship Jesus. Why? Because there's a devotion in our hearts to say, we're here gathered together to worship our King. Friends, I have a desire for us as a church to be more devoted than ever before. And one of the things that we see today in our text, especially verse 43 through verse 47, you see something happen. And here's what you see happen. When common people determine to live with uncommon devotion, there is a deep sense of awe for Jesus that is the result. They were all filled with this awe of Jesus. Like, like this was a holy moment. This was a transcendent moment. This wasn't some casual thing. There, there was something of a deep sense of awe before God that they were experiencing and encountering. There was a deep sense of awe because common people decided to live with uncommon devotion. There's a verse that I love later on in the book of Acts. We'll get to it. It says, uh, when they saw the, the, that Peter and John were ordinary, unschooled, untrained men, they took note, though, that they had been with Jesus See, common things, let me say it another way, uncommon things become common when common people decide to devote themselves to Jesus in an uncommon way. There is a note. Can people take note that you've been with Jesus? Do people notice that? Can they tell that there's a devotion in your heart, that there's a hunger in you, that there's a passion surrounding you, that there is a practice of your daily routine and life, that no matter what, you are going to be devoted to Jesus. When, uh, when common people determine to live with an uncommon devotion, there is a deep sense of awe for Jesus. That is the result. Friends, this is the kind of church we are becoming. As a church, we have five mindsets. They're out on our wall. As you exit the, the sanctuary, you can see them on the wall to your right. But two of our mindsets are this. One, it says that we are for people. Will you say that with me? We are for people. We're four people. We, we, we want to expand our circle and make room for more people belong to the family of God. We are four people. We, we want other people to see the love of Jesus through us, in us, and through us. We are four people. 
Uh, our next mindset is that we are together. Will you say that with me? We are together. And, and what are we together on? We are together being unified as God-honoring, joyful, generous, and humble contributors. In other words, if we're going to be four people, that's going to require us doing something uncommon. To live with an uncommon conviction to be people together in unity on mission to bring, bring a sense of awe around who Jesus is. Now, the church, the local church here in Acts, and our church, we want to be uh, a church that does uncommon things because of our uncommon devotion to Jesus. And we saw today in our text some uncommon things that they did. There were some things that they did that was just very, very not normal. Even for us today, it's not normal. And it wasn't normal for them either. Three things that they did. Number one, they lived with an uncommon generosity. Like they had this uncommon way of choosing generosity. Not, not selfishness, not a mindset of scarcity, although there was plenty of that fear. They lived with this uncommon generosity. They, they, they made financial investment that required personal sacrifice. And they didn't set any strings attached to it. Like they didn't come to Peter and James and, and the church and say, hey, I want to give you this large sum of money, but I need a plaque with my name saying that I donated this. Like I, I, need, I need my reserved uh, parking spot and I need a reserved seat in the sanctuary and it needs to have my name on the back of it. Like that's, I will give if I can have that. There's no strings attached to it. It was undesignated, unrational, uncommon, complete generosity. And the Lord was meeting needs again and again and again. I want you to notice something. That they had, they made a decision to be generous, selling property and land and investments, and they brought it to the church and they said, here it is. And then they were able to meet needs. Notice the order. Hey guys, um, We've got a whole long list of needs at the church. And uh, if you could maybe be so kind, it's generous. And maybe there's a need here. Um, if you guys could please buy some cookie dough. Um, because our little kids want to go on a missions trip. But they, they need to sell some cookie dough. So if you would just buy some cookie dough for them, that would sure help them get to do this thing. Here's the needs. Please do something about these needs. We are awful, awful, needy, 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 needy people. I'm being a little sarcastic, in case you can't tell, but that's not how it went. You know how it went? People were so devoted to Jesus and what he had done, and they recognized the generosity of the God in which they were claiming to follow, and they just decided to live themselves with uncommon generosity. And then the church was able to meet all the needs that there was present. As a church for several years now, we've had the joy of providing school supplies for elementary school students in our Fort Scott School District. It's a great joy to get to do it every year. And every year we tell them, listen, this, there are no strings attached. Like we're not like making kids get the supplies. They have to come to our church service. 
If they want the supplies, they need to wear a backpack with our logo on it. They, 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 we don't do those things. In fact, we often tell them, you don't need, just, can you just get the supplies and the teachers be ready and do it? And they always are gener- gracious and they work with us. And, and early on, they were like, hey, can we tell people where this is coming from? And I was like, no. I, we don't need our name anywhere on it. Can you just say a local church did it? They're like, yeah, we can do that. And then they would come back and think, um, can we really start telling? People are asking and they want to know who did it because they want to express gratitude and they want to send thank you notes. and they want. Can, can we please tell people where it's coming from? And, and I said, you know what? You, you are welcome to do that if you think that's the best way to do it, but that's, that's up to you guys to do. So for the last few years, they've kind of let people know where it's come from and people have been really gracious and very kind and, and, and true sense of gratitude and it's our joy to do that. Why? Because we are four people and we are together choosing to lead the way with joyful generosity and really good stewardship. Some of you are like, well, pastor, when did we take the offering to pay for those school supplies? Every Sunday. That's when we did it. Every Sunday. Because as we as a people choose to be generous week in and week out, your elders and leaders and staff are able to make plans and to budget and to make preparations so that we can meet needs as they come about. We, we are generous first and we meet needs along the way. It's just the way that we have always kind of done it. One of my favorite questions uh, that we get asked at Faith Church. And it's not my favorite question because of maybe the reasons you would think it would be my favorite question. But one of my favorite questions that I get is um, from people, once they've been here for a few weeks, months even, um, like, how do I give? Because, like, y'all don't, like, pass a bucket or a plate and, like, do you even take offerings? Like, that's a really fun question to get asked. Not because, like, we're like, finally, people are asking questions. No, that's not why. It's fun for me because it gives us an opportunity to say, yeah, every week there are boxes on the wall as you leave or you can do it online, but it's your choice. Because we're not standing up here trying to manipulate you, trying to compel you to do something. Listen, if you want to grow in your discipleship to Jesus and become more like the generous God that you claim to follow, you on your own will make a choice to decide to be generous. And you'll give when you want to give. Now, I have some patterns and practices and things that I believe the Bible teaches about it. But at the end of the day, you can choose to live common devotion or you can learn to have uncommon devotion to Jesus. And part of what marked the church from its infancy and throughout the generations is an uncommon generosity. And because people in our church are faithful to give and, and they serve and, and, and they, they do these things and they've developed their own uncommon rhythms of being generous, as a church, we're able to meet needs when they come about, like in Guatemala, for example. Every year when we go, there are projects that they send us saying, hey, here, here are several projects that we could do while you're here. And here's the rough cost of them. 
And the people going on the trip don't pay for those costs. They pay for their own flights and their in-country costs and all the travel expenses. They, they, they individually cover that, raise that. But as a church, because we're faithfully generous and, and are stewarding those things and budgeting them, when they give us the list, we're able to pray over to be like, yeah, let's go do this. In fact, while we were there, you heard Joe mention it, we were supposed to put a roof actually on two houses. They went to the first house and realized not only was the roof bad, but the walls were made of cardboard. Metal roof on cardboard walls. I'm not a construction guy, but uh, probably not the best way to go about that. And they said, well, what do we want to do? And the team made the decision, well, let's just build a whole house. So they built a whole house. And that was more cost. But we could do that because we love to lead the way in generosity. We have an uncommon commitment to being generous as a church. We had it available. We had bought these street lights for this, for this dangerous, dangerous road. Already planned to set those up, these solar lights that work. And these roads were not only dangerous because of how windy they are, but because it was the only road that people can get from their village to the town where they were working. And many women were traveling these roads at night by themselves. And there was raping happening. There was abductions happening. And it was a very, very dangerous road. Simply because there was no streetlights. Now there is. Why? Because Faith Church is a people committed to uncommon generosity. In fact, while we were there, we found out that a Celsi needed lights. And they decided not to have us put lights on their property uh, to make it more safe for people traveling to and from the clinic. Instead, they, did, they wanted to do that for the village. So you know what we did while we were there? Greg and I talked and said, how much cash we got? He's like, we can do it. I'm like, let's do it. So we took our cash and we said, here, go buy new lights for us, Elsie. We were able to be generous as a church, as the needs were uh, there because the funds were already, I didn't have to call, be like, um, church, can uh, you please maybe go fund me some things so that, like, and it's not nothing wrong with that, friends. I'm just saying that the way they did it in scripture is how we're trying to model and be honest because the principle is this. I love Jesus, so I want to be like him. And Jesus lived with an uncommon generosity. You serve a God who is uncommon in his generosity. He loved the world so much that he gave first his son so that all of us could become sons and daughters later on. The generosity of God is uncommon. And we, his people, want to live with this uncommon generosity. Maybe you're like, I don't know, kind of, where do I start? Like, how do I, can I just give you some steps to building uncommon generosity in your life? Number, number one, start by choosing to be consistent. Give something consistently. Weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, begin to give consistently. That begins to develop a muscle. Some of you have been giving consistently for a while. That's great. Can, can I challenge you to take another step? Maybe it's time to become a percentage giver. I think the, the place to start is where the Bible teaches called the tithe. 10% of what comes in, we return to the Lord as a tithe to him. It's percentage giving. There's, there's another way the Bible talks about giving, though, and it's kind of what I like to call the, the legacy sacrifice offering. This is like the, the hilarious offering, the hilarious giver level offering. It's the kind of thing that God whispers to you, hey, I know you're consistently, but I want you to do this beyond and go above, and you're like, ha, 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 that's funny, God. 
Like, that's, that's a good one right there. Maybe you've had that where the Lord taps you on your shoulder and asks you to give a special offering in a way that you know is going to impact the legacy of someone else's life, and it's not about your life. And it's, it's a little bit funny because God's got a sense of humor, but he also knows our level of trust in him, and there's this level of giving above and beyond anything consistent that, man, there's such a joy in those things. They had uncommon generosity. Second thing they had, and they had this uncommon commitment to worship together. They met daily. That's kind of crazy. They met daily in large gatherings and in homes. Both and, not either or. It's both and. They met in a large gathering and they met in Smaller home gatherings. Here at Faith Church, we have large gatherings. That's our Sunday gatherings. We have medium-sized gatherings, like First Wednesday prayer, summer school that we just completed, or, or even the XO conference that's coming up at the end of this month. It's kind of a more mid-sized gathering, specifically designed to do some things and to help you in your, your devotion and discipleship to Jesus. This mid-sized gatherings. But we also have small gatherings. They're called connect groups. Right now, we're in a place of getting ready for the fall set of connect groups. And, and you heard in the Next Step video at the top of the service that, man, if you've been following Jesus, you've maybe been attending a group, you've gone through growth track, and you're like, man, I, I'd like to lead a connect. God's kind of tapping my heart to open my heart, to open my time, to open my home for others to grow and connect in community. Well, man, connect groups is our spot for you. We, we would love to talk to you about doing that. Some of you just need to make a commitment in your heart. You know what? When the groups open back up, I'm jumping in a group. I'm going to meet with other people and connect and grow in my devotion to Jesus and to each other. They were able to meet needs because they were aware of the needs. You want to know how, how most often we meet practical needs in our church? It's through our connect groups people who are in relationship, who are aware of needs, they're able to let us know and we're able to step in and help. I could tell you story after story after story in this last couple of years of how people have found themselves in seasons of life where life knocked the wind right out of them, punched them in the gut, and the wind got knocked out of them. And it was their connect group, their small group that they gather and were devoted to Jesus with, gathered around them, and practically helped meet needs, cover things, pray with things, drive their kids places, and breathe life back into their soul. Connect groups, that's, that's how we care for one another in a growing church. And we are a growing church. We, we've been praying about building expansion for a little while now. You know that earlier this summer I told you that we had some meetings that we were coming up and we're really praying about God what, what, what's, what's next and we had some really pivotal meetings I cannot wait to share with you more about those meetings we, we've made the decision and uh, made some proper context or contacts and we've begun making plans for a new sanctuary and a complete renovation of this current space I can't wait to show you the plans we've got two more meetings this week that are going to be incredibly pivotal for that project. So I'm asking you, family, would you just pray for your pastor and our leaders this week for that specifically? 
Because we want to continue to make room for more people, for more kids, for more marriages, for more individuals to encounter Jesus. They met in a large space all together, the scripture says. And they met in homes. It's both and. And in the coming weeks and months, I can't wait to share with you the specifics and talk more about that as we move towards a campaign to make that happen and continue to operate in a generous mindset to make those things go. But friends, the early church, they had this uncommon commitment to worship together in large groups and in small groups. Last Sunday, I mentioned this in the first service, and I meant to mention it again. Uh, last Sunday, we had uh, 95 kids checked in to our services, in the, uh, combined in both services. 95 kids. That's a lot of children, and we don't have any more space for them. But it's time to make more room, and we're going to do that. And we love getting to love on kids and help them learn about Jesus in a safe environment and in a fun environment on their level. We're committed to doing that. Can't wait to share more about those things with you. The last thing that they had was an uncommon personal hospitality. They, they shared meals and they opened their homes and they, I love how the verse says it, they enjoyed the good will of each other. In other words, they personally took steps to be hospitable to one another in an uncommon way. You know, the Bible says this. Jesus said that the world will know you are my disciples. The world will know that you are devoted in an uncommon way because you have love for one another. Here's what that verse doesn't say. The world will know that you're my disciples by the way you love the outsider. By the way that you love the world. It's not what it says. I believe in loving the world. I believe in being a good neighbor and taking care of for people who are outside the faith of Jesus. I think those things are, are biblically true. But that verse isn't about loving unbelievers. The verse is about having an uncommon and personal hospitality toward believers. People in the family of God. People that are sitting on the row next to you and in the section beside you and in the balcony above you. It's about having an uncommon personal hospitality to care and love for the family and the people of God. Demonstrating goodwill towards others. Demonstrating the love of God to the people around you. This week, we want to give you an opportunity to demonstrate uncommon personal hospitality. I'm going to ask our hosts to come, and they're going to come and distribute a crisp $20 bill to everyone in the room. Guys, go ahead and begin to do it. They're just going to come and... Uh, I, I, don't, I don't typically pass out money on Sunday, but you came to church on a good day, friends. And I want you to take the $20 when they give it to you. Just hold on to it for just a minute. Put, keep it in your hands. It's going to take them a minute. You know, one of the times that we are specific in our giving, and we do 
kind of talk about, we, we do it periodically, but one of the times as a church that we are kind of upfront about what our intention is and a movement towards practicing generosity is at Christmas time. If you've been around Faith Church for a little while, you, you know that every Christmas service, like our last Sunday that we gather together in a year, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus and the arrival of God's greatest gift to us. We as a church practice being generous. And we do that by taking 100% of everything that we give on that Sunday and we give it away. We don't pay the light bill. We don't pay our staff. We don't pay the electricity. We don't make new resources. We don't buy goldfish for the kids. We don't, we don't do none of that. Normal ministry things. We take 100% of it and we give it away. Every year on Christmas. It's one of the ways that we live as a church in uncommon generosity. And this past year, at Christmas, we decided to do two things with that offering. We talked about it and presented it. We said we want to do something local, an outreach in the upcoming year, and we wanted to give to Aselsi, our ministry partner in Guatemala, because what they wanted to do in their clinic was start a mental health department because the need for mental health services of a Christian variety, of a God-centered, biblical-oriented counseling, the need for it was astronomical. Not just for the pastors and leaders, but for those in their congregations and their churches. That's not unlike the realities here in our own land. The need for those things are on the rise. And they needed some funds to get that started, to provide a salary for a part-time doctor to begin to do that. You know what's fun? Part of our Christmas offering went to so, so into that opportunity that they had. We were the first church to get behind that mission. And while we were in Guatemala, we got to meet the doctor that they hired. We got to pray with her. We got to pray over her office. We got to release her. Her schedule for the rest of the year, completely full. The need is great. And there are more needs to come in the future that hopefully we get to be a part of as well. Meeting those needs in those places in partnership with them. That was part of what we did with our Christmas offering. The other part of our Christmas offering was for this local outreach that we wanted to do this year. That's what you get to do this week. This money came from among us at Christmas time. Because when we live with uncommon generosity, we're able to meet the needs among us and among our community. So here's what I want you to do with these $20 that you hold in your hand. Ask the Lord, how can I be personally hospitable to someone outside my family this week? And here's $20 to help you do it. Here, here are the rules. The $20, not for you and your family. Someone else. 
meet a need. Demonstrate kindness and goodwill to someone else that you know, that you come in contact with, that God leads you to this week. Let's practice uncommon generosity. Let's practice an uncommon commitment to worshiping together. Let's practice this uncommon personal hospitality towards others. Let's begin to make uncommon devotion our common reality. Let's begin to be those people who live with uncommon devotion and let's make that our norm as a church. Amen? Would you stand to your feet with me? And if you would, take the $20 that's in your hand or nearby. If you started to put it away, pull it right back out and hold it in your hand for me. I want you to close your eyes. Normally at the end of our service, we pray and ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me personally? And that's a great prayer to pray, but today I want us to pray a little bit different. I want you to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do with this $20? How can I be hospitable to someone else? Go ahead, right there, in that moment, just begin to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, would you just bring to our mind how we can be a blessing to someone else? Maybe it's helping pay for someone's gas. Maybe it's a bigger tip at the restaurant today. Maybe it's helping pay for someone's groceries. Maybe it's just being a blessing to a stranger just because. Lord, would you help us to have the courage to live with uncommon devotion to you in this way this week? Would you help us to demonstrate goodwill towards others this week? God, would you help us to be faithful and obedient in our uncommon devotion to you this week? We pray, Lord, that as this is used for someone else, Lord, that it would just be a small way that they would recognize that you see them, that you know them, that you love them, and that we as a people can continue to remind ourselves that we are for people. As we make more room to show the love of God to others around us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Hey. I really hope today's message was life-giving. As a church, we want to help you encounter God and take another next step in your allegiance to Jesus. I want to ask you to take a step right now, in fact. Would you just share this message with a friend? Maybe post it on your social, text a coworker the link. Just be sure to include something that you learned or how it impacted you personally. When you do that, you get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in someone else. And don't forget to visit our central hub, faithchurchks.org. You'll find other next steps that you can take in your faith, including giving and partnership with us as we help others encounter Jesus like you've encountered him. Hey, we love you. And until we get to hang out again, remember, don't shrink back from your faithful allegiance to King Jesus.